with them. Um, wanted to read some names. And uh, we've been walking through the, uh, the book, the letter of Hebrews now, since early January of 2015. And we come to probably one of my favorite chapters uh, in the entire book in chapter 11. And I just wanted you to hear these names. You might never have heard of them before. Uh, you might know some of them and, and know others. Uh, but these are names of men and women uh, that we can be encouraged by. These are names of men and women who had a story. And their story was they walked with God and they got to see God be God in their life. Abel. Enoch. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses' parents, his parents are in this list, Moses, Rahab, the nation of Israel, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, the prophets, and even though they're not mentioned by name, their stories are referred to in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hezekiah, Zechariah, Isaiah. This is a list of roughly uh, 20 plus uh, names of men and women uh, that ultimately they just said yes to God and they got to see God be God in the midst of their life. And they serve to us as just an encouragement as well as an example of what a life of faith Looks like. So next week in Hebrews 12, it says this Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings, to, uh, clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The cloud of witnesses are these men and women in Hebrews chapter 11. And what I love is what they were witnesses to and how they serve as witnesses to us. They witnessed what God can do uh, with a man, with a woman who says, my faith is in you. So they serve as an encouragement. They serve as examples for us as to what God can do with a life that says, my faith is not in me or anything, something less, but it is just in you. Now, the beauty of Hebrews 11 is they're long dead. We're talking about men and women who lived centuries, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, but yet their life we're still talking about it. Their life is still speaking to us as example, as encouragement. So when it says in Hebrews 11.4, although Abel, Abel was uh, the son of um, uh, Adam and Eve, and uh, 11.4, it says, although Abel is long dead, he still speaks. He still speaks to us by his example of faith. So what I'm really excited for us to walk through in Hebrews this morning, what I really wanted us to catch uh, is just this very simple but powerful truth that God has more of him for all of us. God has more of him that he wants you to experience in your life. And the more of him comes through faith in him. See, I think a lot of us might have theoretical knowledge of God, maybe even theological knowledge of God, but I think what God wants us to have is experiential knowledge of him, stories of God being God in the midst of our lives, stories that will ultimately help other people who around us, like Josh was talking about, who don't know who God is. They would look at your life, they would look at the stories coming from your life and say, God is real. He has to be. God is powerful. God cares. God is loving. So God wants you to have not just a story or a few stories, but God wants you to experience him 
Every single day, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, God wants you to have experiences of him. Now, as Josh was mentioning in Santa Rosa Beach, there's lots of people in that area, as well as here in New England, that aren't interested. They don't, they don't care about church, about Jesus, about spiritual things. They, they might be doubters or skeptics. And one of the things that I've learned about being here in, for almost 11 years now uh, is I can't not change, I can't change the heart of someone who's a skeptic. I can't change the heart of someone who is uh, maybe what they would say of themselves, just a doubter. But what I can do, the very thing that I can do, is maybe give them something to think about through a life of faith. Maybe there's something, I can't change their heart, I can't change their mind, but maybe by the way that I am living my life, I can let my life just give them something to consider. My life could give them something to think about that, gosh, maybe, maybe it's true. Because I, I look at that one life, and I look at that one life, and I look at all these different lives, maybe our lives could be examples for others, for something others to consider, to, to think about. So I want to share with you uh, some things that I've been learning uh, just recently uh, about Hebrews 11, how I've been really encouraged, how I've been really challenged uh, by these men and women who are examples and encouragements of what a life of faith looks like. Um, but before I did that, I wanted to share something that I really feel God impressed in my heart to tell you. And it would just be this. God wants to use your life as an example for others to see him. He wants to use, when I say your, I mean you. I don't mean the person next to you, the person in front or behind. God wants to use your life. God wants to use your life as an example for others to see him. It would be easy to look at this list that we find in Hebrews at 11 and declare, gosh, it's great to see how God used their lives, but that will never be my reality. It's easy to look at, gosh, these stories of faith and actually be inspired by them, but it's far too many times we just say, well, that will never be my reality. I will never encounter, I will never experience God in a similar fashion. And I just want to tell you that's just not true. God wants to use your life. No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, God wants to use your life as an example for others to see. Uh, Gordon McDonald uh, is a pastor, uh, author, and uh, wrote a great book called The Resilient Life. And he said this, the Christian worships a God who can and does take the life of any person, takes the life of any person, turns it inside out, and uses it to build a piece of his kingdom. And I read that and I was just encouraged because any life means my life. Any life means your life. Any life doesn't just mean the Moseses or the Abrahams or the Noahs or whoever it might be. Any life means your life. And I wanted you to know God wants to use your life as an example for others to see him. Now, again, it would be easy to be like, well, I'm no Moses. I'm no Abraham. I'm no King David. I'm no whatever name. And you'd be like, they were such perfect people. And if you're at all familiar with the Old Testament and some of their stories, they are so far from perfect people. They actually did horrific things. So what set them apart, why we find them in, even in Hebrews chapter 11, is really one reason. It's because they walked with God. In faith, they walked with God. And it was their proximity to God, meaning walking with him, that God says, I will use you as you are walking with me. 
I don't know if you've ever heard of this guy's name, but his name is Enoch. Uh, Enoch was mentioned, he's got two verses all the way back in Genesis chapter 5, but in Hebrews 11, this is what it says of Enoch. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. If we only know so little, two verses about this guy Enoch, and he found his way into Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the hall of faith, and it says of him, he was known as a guy who pleased God. What was so pleasing to God about this man and the life that he lived. Now, if you read his two verses in, in Genesis 5, I'll just read verse 24. It says, Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. What set him apart was that he was a guy that just walked with God. Your ability to walk with God will be what makes the difference in your life and the lives of those around you. It's not anything you'll do. It's not anything you'll say. It is your ability to simply but yet powerfully walk with God. So I wanted to ask this question before we look at some in this list. If it's true that God wants to use your life as an example so that others would see him and put their faith in him, then what example are you currently living out for those around you? Whether you like it or not, you're already currently living out an example but I just wanted to ask, what is the example that you're currently living out? When people look at the life that you're living, and by the way, there are many people who are observing, who are watching, who are paying attention to your life. Like it or not, people are watching your life. So what is the example that you are living out in front of the people that are around you, be family and neighbors and coworkers? What is the example? Now for me, I'm I'm sad that I look back at a better part of my life. The example that I set was, here's what it looks like to be prideful. Here's what it looks like. Here's the example of a guy who's just arrogant and self-centered and self-absorbed. Here's what it looks like, the example. If you want to know what bitterness looks like, just this is the example. And I wasted so much of the life that God had given me on setting a terrible, terrible example. And so you are setting an example. What is the example that you are currently setting? Uh, I wrote it down in my journal like this. Your life is short, but your example could be long. Your life is short, but your example, the life you live is going to be short, but the example that you set, it could be really, really long. John Piper uh, just wrote a great devotional, and he said this, keep in mind that you have no firm substance on this earth. You are as fragile as a mist. Keep in mind that you have no durability on this earth, for you appear for a little while, just a little while. Your time is short, and keep in mind that you will disappear. You will be gone, and life will go on without you. I hope you're encouraged. <laughs> so I don't share that with you to bum you out or depress you, but to remind you that our life in the grand scheme of eternity is what scripture says, it's just a breath, it's just a mist, it's just a vapor, but with the life we have, we have a choice. I can either live a very short life with a really bad example, or I can live a really short life with a really long example. We're already setting an example, it's just a question of, is our example short and not very memorable, or will the short life God's given us 
Will it be a long example for others to be encouraged by long after you're gone? So for me personally, as I've sat with this, the example that I desperately want to set for my wife and for my kids and for this community, for neighbors, anyone who would, I'd ever come across their path is just simply this. I just want to walk with God. However God decides to use this life, it doesn't really matter to me. What matters to me is that the example that I would set for my wife and my kids and any future generations of grandkids and kids beyond that is I just, I want to walk with God. I don't want to set the example of what I've did for a better part of my 42 years. I want to set an example of just, this is what it looks like to walk with God. As we're going to look at Hebrews 11, um, I wanted to caution us with something in that these men and these women who are listed, they're simply here to remind us uh, and to encourage us, to challenge us. We are not to put these people on a pedestal to be worshipped. Solid examples, not of perfect people, but solid examples that we can learn from and be encouraged by. They were just simply ordinary people who said yes to an extraordinary God, and then guess what? They got to see God be God. And I think when we look at this list of people and we're amazed, what's so amazing, we're like, gosh, why don't I ever see God at work in my life like I, these people did? And honestly, it can simply often come back to, well, they said yes, and we often say no. When the extraordinary God initiated with an ordinary person like we're going to see in Hebrews 11 or we'll see here, they said yes. And to anyone who says yes, they get to see God. They get to see God be God. They get to see God do what only God could possibly do. They get to have stories and stories and stories of God being God in their life and in the lives of those around them. I don't know uh, how many I'm going to be able to share with you because of time, but I'm going to start with uh, one thing that has just challenged me and encouraged me from Hebrews 11. Uh, And one of the things that I'll tell you is that faith in God is a visible thing. It's not a hidden thing. It's not a secret thing. Faith in God will always show up. It will be visible. And so as I sat with the 20 plus different men and women in Hebrews 11, here's one of the things that I learned. Faith is seen in being obedient to God. Faith is seen in being obedient to God. So in other words, every time you are obedient to God, and it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if it's a huge thing, like moving somewhere to plant a church. Or if it's a smaller thing of just picking up the phone to call someone to say, hey, can I pray for you? I just, I wanted to encourage you. Felt like the Spirit of God was telling me to to encourage you with this. Whether it's a big thing or a small thing, every time you and I are obedient to God, that is just simply an example of faith. So you look at Noah. In Hebrews 11, it says this of Noah. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. When I think of someone who was just, their faith is seen in obedience, Noah. And here's what I learned about Noah's obedience. One of them would be obedience often looks like foolishness to those around us. Obedience often looks silly. Obedience looks foolish to people around you. Can you imagine how ridiculous it would be when Noah was trying to communicate to people, wait, what are you doing? Dude, don't you know we live in a desert? And you're going to build what? And you're going to do this why? 
it would have been absolute foolishness for Noah to not only build a boat in the middle of the desert, but to build a boat as massive, massive as he did, roughly two football fields long. That's amazing. A boat that long, that's phenomenal. 100,000 square feet of space on that ark. That's roughly the size of a Walmart or a Home Depot or a Lowe's. Obedience often looks like foolishness to those around us, but what is said of Noah, if you go back in history in Genesis 6, Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Everything. Every act of obedience, every time he hammered a nail into the wood was an act of obedience, and obedience often looks like foolishness to those around you. Now, here's a challenging question. God probably not going to call you to build an ark, but is there an example in your life right now that looks like absolute foolishness to those around you, but as best you can tell, you're just doing what God has called you to do? Is there an example of you being obedient, and it just looks silly, it looks foolish to those that are watching your life, but as best as you can articulate, I'm just being obedient to do what God's called me to do. Abraham, he's another good example in Hebrews 11 of someone who was obedient despite it looking absolutely foolish. It says in him, of him in verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Abraham, uh, you're packing up. Where are you headed? I don't know. Well, why are you going to the place you don't know where you're going? God's told me to go there. Often, obedience will look like absolute foolishness to those around us. But yet, it's an incredible demonstration of faith in God. Now, I want to be clear to not miss this. Obedience is not foolishness. Obedience is not foolishness. Obedience is a demonstration of faith. But what is actually foolish is seen in those who are being obedient to do what they want to do. And when people do what they want to do, well, that looks brilliant to people around them. And so I would ask you, as you even think about obedience and what God is calling you to be obedient to right now, are you being obedient to what you want to do and how you want to do it and when you want to do it? Or is your obedience actually a reflection of as best as I can understand, this is what God has invited me and what God has called me to do. There's a difference of foolishness and faith. Faith is seen in being obedient to God. Foolishness is seen in being obedient to you, which would be you. Another thing I learned from Noah's example of obedience is obedience is often a lonely thing. Obedience is often, not always, but often a lonely thing. Noah lived in a time where it was absolutely not popular to be obedient to God. And it says in, in Genesis of, of Noah's culture and community, the Lord observed, this is Genesis 6, 5, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on earth and he saw that everything they thought of or imagined was, constant, was consistently and totally evil. Imagine that was your environment. Well, that was Noah's environment. And I can only imagine that being obedient in a community and a culture that could care less about God and what God wanted, well, was absolutely a lonely thing. But one of the things that I've learned about people who are being, willing to be obedient even when it's a lonely thing is that their obedience spurs on obedience in my life. 
It actually fuels me to be obedient. There's a guy that I meet with uh, once a month, and uh, it's one of my favorite breakfast is to get together because every time I get with him, he's always has a story or multiple stories of, so this is what God told me to do this month. And I'm like, you did it? He's like, yeah. I'm like, man, I want to be like you when I grow up. His obedience, it fuels in me the desire to be obedient. So you might be struggling to be obedient right now because it's a lonely thing. I just wanted to encourage you that your obedience will be used to fuel other people to be obedient as well. Another thing I learned about Noah's obedience is obedience is a long thing, not a short one. How long did it take him to be obedient to God, to do the thing that God told him to do and to build this massive, massive ark? 43,800 days. There is not a longer example of someone being obedient to God in scriptures than Noah. For 43,800 days, Noah was obedient to do what God called Noah to do and to build this massive, massive boat. His faith is seen in that he was continued to be obedient. Gosh, I've been doing this for two years. Gosh, 10 years. Gosh, 20 years, 40 years, 50, and the years go by and by and by. Obedience is a long thing, not a short one. Often, like Michael, I was obedient to God for like how long? Well, I did it for like a week and it was just, it didn't work out and it was just hard. I'm like, well, all right, well, let's, let's try for two weeks. And honestly, this is true of me as well. Am I obedient to God over the long haul or the short run? Because when the short run, you don't see God doing what you really want to see God doing. It's just easy to say, well, forget being obedient. It didn't work out. And what I love about oh, obedience from what I learned from Noah is it was a long thing, not a short thing. wanted to encourage you with something. Um, and I wrote it down in my journal like this. I'm not sure what God's calling you to, to be obedient to today, but whatever it is, don't bail on it because it seems to be taking a long time and the rain hasn't come. I don't know what God's calling you to be obedient with. Maybe to stay in a relationship that's just been painful. Maybe it's to stay in a place that you don't want to be in that place because it's just hard. Or maybe God's calling you to go to a new place. So I don't know what it is that God is calling you to be obedient to today, but whatever it is, I just want it to be a voice that would encourage you and challenge you to say, do not bail on being obedient to God because it's been six months, because it's been a year, because it's been three years. I realize that you may not have seen any rain come, but obedience is a long thing, not a short one. And one last thing I, I learned about Noah's example of obedience is that obedience to God will always be bigger than you. Meaning, what God calls you to be obedient to will be impossible for you to be obedient to that unless God shows up. Obedience to God will always be bigger than you. I can't accomplish what God wants me to do unless God shows up in my life and is walking with me every step of the way. In Hebrews 11, there's a guy named Gideon, and it says this in Hebrews 11:32. How much more do I need to say? It would, be take, it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon. You're like, who the heck is Gideon? So if you flip many chapters back or many books back to Judges, here's the encounter that God had with this man named Gideon. 
says this, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. You would think that Gideon's response would be like, I'm all over it. I got it. You want me to go take out? I'm your man. But this is what Gideon says in response. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. How did this guy make it into Hebrews 11? God says, go, and he's like, you got the wrong guy. Clearly, you don't know my family, because I know my family, and we are the weakest. And clearly, you don't know me, because I'm the youngest. I know nothing. But then God says to Gideon something that changed everything for Gideon. And the Lord said to him, I'll be with you. Gideon, I don't care if you're weak. I don't care if you're small. I don't care if your family's insignificant. Gideon, I will be with you. So God doesn't tell you to go do something and then kind of sit back. He's like, well, good luck. I hope it works out for you. Check in with me when you're done. It doesn't work like that. When God calls you to be obedient to something or to someone, he says, and I will be with you. There will not be a moment where you will not encounter or experience my presence in the midst of the very thing that I have called you to do. So obedience, it might seem foolish to others. It might, seem, might be a lonely thing. It will for sure be a long thing and it will always be bigger than you. But those who are obedient to God have a common story. You know what their story is? I got to see God. I got to see God be God. Wouldn't you love to have stories like that? And not just one story that carries you on for like 10 years, but wouldn't you love to have fresh stories that says, I got to see God again. I got to see God be God and it was amazing. I thought I was amazed last time, but it's even more amazing now. Men and women who were obedient to do what God called them to do, even though it seemed crazy, even though it seemed foolish to other people, even though it was a lonely thing, even though it was a long thing, even though it was a hard thing, they all had a story that said, I got to see God. I'm going to share with you one more thing. It would be this. Faith is, is seen in being obedient to God, but faith is seen in trusting the promises of God. Faith is seen when you declare, God, I will trust you. What you have promised, I will trust you. Even though when it doesn't make sense, I'm gonna trust what you have said. I'm gonna trust who you are, your character, your person. I will trust your promises. And I think one of the most powerful examples of one trusting in the promises of God is Abraham. Abraham was told by God, Abraham, you are going to be the one that from you, from your line is gonna come generations that are so numerous that you could look up at the stars and you couldn't even count how many are going to come from your line. And Abraham's like, well, I got a problem. We got no kids and we're getting old. How is that possibly going to work? And would you know it? Years and years and years and more years and more years and more years go by. And his 90-year-old wife named Sarah she gets pregnant when he's 100 years old. And you would think, well, that's an amazing story. God promised came true. He's going to bless this man, and through his line, is going to be generations too numerous to count, and now he's got a kid. But then God does something unexpected. He says to Abraham, Abraham, your boy, he's a young boy now, the one I promised that I was going to build a line of just generations to come from him, uh, I want you to sacrifice him. 
Clearly, I did not hear God correctly when he said, the child that you promised to give me, now that I have, you want me to do what to him? It says in Hebrews 11, uh, verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was doing what? Testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice only, uh, his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. I love that, that phrase, that Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, well, this is God's promise. He said, this child from him, just generations. So clearly, if he dies, God's going to have to do something that only God could do and bring him back to life. What I love about Abraham is he reasoned that if God is God, then what God promised will come to pass, even if the current situation screamed the opposite. For Abraham, what I love about Abraham is his faith is just seen in steps. Step one, I'm gonna trust God in leaving everything that was known and secure. And when he did that, he got to see God. Step two, I'm gonna trust God for a child even though I'm a really old guy. And my wife is a really old girl. And he got to see God. Step three, trust God with what he loved most. And when he trusted God with that, he got to see God. My point is with every step of trust that Abraham took, he got to see God be God. God will rarely, rarely reveal the second step before we're even willing to take the first step. So many of us are like, well, if God would just tell me a little bit more of the plan, if he would just give me some more information, and God was like, just take a step, just one step. I'm not asking you to run it, just take a step and trust in my promise that I will care, I will provide, I will offer my presence. Take a step. I don't know if many of you have ever been to the zoo and seen this, this uh, animal, but uh, the animal is the African impala, and uh, it kind of looks like a, uh, a souped-up deer. And uh, this, this, uh, this animal is known for its incredible ability to jump. It can jump over 10 feet, uh, 10 feet high, which is phenomenal. That's like a basketball hoop, and it can jump over 30 feet. So this animal is just known for its ability to jump really high and to jump really far. Now you would think, how do you keep an animal like this, kind of what kind of cage, you just put up like a 12 foot high thing so he can't jump higher than that or how does that work? And what's really amazing about this in particular animal is that they're not caged in uh, any wall that's higher than three feet. We're like, well, how is that possible? If this animal can just jump right over this wall, then why don't they put a bigger wall? And the answer is, this animal won't jump if they cannot see where it will land. And I'm like, oh, I'm so like that animal. <laughs> Our unwillingness to jump when we don't know what the landing is going to look like. And we're just filled with fear and anxiety of, gosh, what's, what's on the other side of this step? What if it's hard? What if it's painful? What if it's, it's costly? And God just was telling Abraham, and he's telling us through his example, just take a step. Just take a step, because faith is seen and trusting in the promises of God. 
I wanted you to hear that I don't know what you might be struggling, battling to trust God with, but I just wanted you to hear someone tell you today that you can trust him. You can trust him. You can trust God. You can trust his character. You can trust him with you. You can trust him with your questions, your concerns, your pain, your hurt, your suffering, your disappointment, your relationships. You can trust him completely. This is not a blind leap of faith. This is a step of faith, but the one that we are stepping with, his character is, you can trust him. I had a whole other page of things that I wanted to share with you, but I will stop. And I'll just leave you with this. I started by trying to encourage and hopefully remind that God wants to use your life. I am encouraged, I am motivated by Hebrews 11, by the examples of these men and women who just said yes to God. They walked with God, they said yes to God, and they got to see God be God. But what I wanted you to catch in all of this is he wants to use you. He wants to use your life. So whatever God is calling you to be obedient with, faith will be seen when you're obedient to him. Whatever is challenging you, challenging for you to trust him with, faith will be seen when you just declare, God, I can trust in who you are. I can trust in your promises.